Hey everyone, Pastor Blake Harkup here from Bedrock, Sarasota. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you get to know God more, that you feel encouraged, and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message. Good morning, Bedrock. How's everybody doing? All right, now come on, we can do better than that. How's everybody doing? All right, there we go. We're a little bit more excited. We'll wake up eventually. Uh, I hope that this morning is super encouraging to you. I'm excited to continue with us in our series on The Chosen. If you've never seen this series, it's a free series that you can watch. It, it has its own app. And actually, it's the largest ever in U.S. or in world history crowdfunded media project uh, in the world now. And so I think it's been viewed over 200 and something million times at this point. And it really is, uh, you know, it's kind of bad that we have to say this, but for a Christian like media project, it's good, right? I know most of the time we have to be like, it's not cheesy. Okay. I promise you it's okay. And so this series for me, especially as like a Bible nerd has really brought to me some visuals that I can connect with the text. You know, we're going on a trip next month in November. We're taking people from our church to Israel. Uh, we're going to be there for 10 days, and that is my, like, favorite trip in the world. I want to go back continually. I think Kelsey and I would move there eventually, to be honest with you. Uh, but beyond that, I think this is probably one of the best ways to see, uh, see life and see what's going on. And so, uh, as I was driving this week, actually, thinking about the message and what we were going to be talking about, and I kind of remember this story that came up. I don't know why this story came up, but it did. I grew up here, and so in high school, I would drive, you know, the back roads and all that, like out east a little bit, and I'm not going to tell you what road it is, but there's a road out east that as you drive on it, and it kind of like if you're heading kind of east, it takes a really big left-hand turn, but right on that big turn is a shell road. And they built like a really wide area where you could turn in on that shell road, like really wide. And so in high school, I used to drive really fast down the road, and then I'd hit the shell road, and then I would turn the wheel, and I would power slide through the shell road back onto the road, like all the time. And, you know, when you get like really comfortable with something like that, you kind of, you're like, how fast can we go? You know, like how fast can I actually go? And the reason why this was so dangerous is because on each side of that gravel road, uh, that shell road, was a ditch. And if we, like, hit that ditch sideways, you know we're going to go flipping, right? And so in high school, I drove a Chevy Lumina, and I used to take the, the hubcaps off of that so it looked like a cop car. I mean, it, I was so stupid in high school. And so my friend Matt was with me in the car in one day, and we're heading towards this road, and he's like, let's, let's do it, man. Let's go for it. And I was like... All right, let's do it. So I went the fastest I've ever gone, and we hit the shell road, and I turned the wheel, and I hit the accelerator like hard. And I think we're going to power slide. I don't know what I was expecting. Like, I don't know what I was expecting, but we spun the car completely and actually spun it on the tarmac. That's how fast we were going. And we actually ended up flipping it all the way to the other side of the paved road facing the opposite direction. Like, we spun it, and we both, like, stopped, and we, like, looked at each other, and we were like, oh, man. And he was like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Are you good? He's like, yeah, I'm good. And we're like, that was awesome! And he loved it, right? But it did scare both of us a little bit. But what happened in that, that moment is I haven't power slid that turn since then. 
Actually, I drive by it sometimes, and I think about it in my truck. I'm like, I could one more time, you know, for old times' sake. But the reality is, is that that moment caused a 180 turn in my life. Like, I know we physically turned 180 degrees and went in the opposite direction, but I made a physical turn in my life as well. I realized, like, hey, maybe this wasn't the greatest idea. Maybe I shouldn't be power sliding in a Chevy Lumina on a busy road. You know, like, this is not something for me to do. And even though it was awesome and it's a good story now, it's not something I've attempted again. But I wonder, like, for so many of us, if that's where we really need to be in life right now. Like, if there's a part of our life that we need a 180 turn, and it's not just like, oh, because of like, oh, I'm going in this wrong direction and therefore like I'm sinning and so I need to make a 180 turn. If you are, you need to make a 180 turn. But maybe there's just part of your life where you're just trying to do everything on your own. You're trying to make it all work, to make it all fit, to make it all happen. And life gets really hard. And today we're going to be looking at this story, uh, episode four of The Chosen, where we're going to be looking at the life of Peter. Now, Peter has found himself in a really bad predicament in this episode. Peter, if you know, he was a fisherman. And Rome heavily taxed people during this time in the world. That's why Matthew was so despised, because he was taxing his own people, right? He was like almost illegally forcing taxes upon people. And here's what tax collectors could do in the day. What they would do is they would say, okay, here's the taxes for Rome, but I'm going to add a little bit on top for me. And so they would double tax the people and they would take money for themselves. So Peter fell behind on his taxes. Okay, the, the Roman IRS is on the way, right? And so what's happening here is they're getting ready to actually repossess his boat. They're probably going to actually put him in jail. And so Peter is getting really desperate in this series. Like if we watch it, Peter's in a bad place. And maybe you know what that's like. Maybe you feel that right now. Maybe your relationship is in a bad place. Maybe your kids and and your relationship with them is in a bad place. Or maybe you're just alone and you're in a bad place. Maybe you owe the IRS some money and you're in a bad place. I, I don't know what it is, but like something in your life may be going in the wrong direction and you're doing everything that you can to right the ship But the reality is you need something so much greater than you to do that. And so we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke today and starting in chapter 5. And I actually, I just want you to hear the text today. We'll go through it multiple times. You'll hear a lot about it. We're going to just hunker down right here in Luke chapter 5. But in Luke chapter 5, a bunch of the disciples have not started to follow Jesus yet. Jesus is kind of just starting his public ministry. He's traveling, and he's doing a lot of different things. He is preaching and teaching by himself, but he's getting ready to recruit people to his ministry. So in Luke chapter 5, uh, you, you know, it's like Cliff Notes cheat version, right? You're like, oh, Pastor Blake, what's going to happen here? Well, the, he- the title is Jesus Calls the First Disciples. Spoiler alert, he's going to call the first disciples here right now today. But we're going to see something So interesting, I think, in this story. So I just want to read the text today, and I want us to just have that in our heart as we watch this. So listen to what the Bible says, starting in Luke chapter 5, verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, don't we wish church was a little bit more like that these days? Don't we wish that people were pressing in and getting as close as they could to hear the teaching of the word of God sometimes? Guys, 
That's what we're called to. We can invite people. We can bring people in. We can do all of these things. But no, I'm going to just tell you, most people aren't going to show up to church because they just woke up and felt like it. It's going to take us being the church and loving people and serving people and doing all of these things to bring people in, to hear the word of God. Because how many of us believe in this room? That's the hope of the world. It's the only hope for you and I. And so it says this, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. You're like, I've never heard of this lake before. What's Gennesaret? I like that name. Like, hey, this is my son, Gennesaret, right? Like, I like it. Well, Gennesaret is a name that Luke used for the Sea of Galilee. The majority of the disciples and, and the writers of the New Testament used the Old Testament word to describe the Sea of Galilee. They called it a sea. The Sea of Galilee is no, nowhere near a sea. It's actually kind of a small lake. It's only four and a half miles wide at its widest point, right? At all points, I'll take you there. At all points, you can literally see across the Sea of Galilee, right? I mean, you can, like, then that song, Oceans, isn't such a big deal. You're like, it's only four and a half miles. I could swim across the sea, right? And so you take you out to this point where you're looking, but this Sea of Galilee is incredibly important to the world at this time. In fact, even now, the Sea of Galilee supplies Israel the majority of its water. Every day, there's a report on the, the level of the water in the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee comes from this area called Tel Dan. This Jordan River comes in, feeds into the Sea of Galilee. Jordan River comes out and goes down to the Dead Sea. And so that's kind of this dividing line, this, this area in the world. But Luke uses the Lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. What does that mean? They're done for the day. They've gone fishing. If you're washing, your, you don't pre-wash the net. You're not like, you know what, let's get this thing soaked up nice and clean so we can go catch fish. You do this after you're done fishing. So he had, they had gone out and they were washing their nets, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's. Now this is Simon Peter. Jesus changes Simon's name to Peter, which means rock, Petros, okay? Have you heard of Petra? How Petra's like carved into the rock? That's what it means, Petros, rock. And so Jesus changes Peter's name according to his calling a little bit later in life. And when he, had, he gets in there and he sits down and he taught people from the boat. And this is so important because it becomes like this natural amphitheater, right? Because if you're on the water and you speak uphill, your sound travels a lot farther, and so Jesus was sitting in this boat teaching people. And when he got done, he does this interesting thing. Verse 4. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let your nets out for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, I'll tell you more about that word in a minute. We toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter, notice the change there. But when Simon Peter, Luke changes the name, something's happened. Something's happened to Peter in this text. But when Simon Peter saw this, right, he saw this miracle, he fell down at Jesus' knees, or maybe another translation is he fell on his knees in front of Jesus. And he does this in saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. There's a lot going on in this confession. 
For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John. Those are the sons of Zebedee, or some texts call them the sons of thunder. What a cool nickname, right? What are you, what's your, who are you guys? We're the sons of thunder, right? Like, that's WWE style, right? And so we're the sons of thunder who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. He's like, what? And when they had brought their boats to land, they let, left everything and followed him. That's right where we're going to be today. And so as we enter this first clip this morning, I want you to notice Peter's in a bad place. And you may be in a similar place in your life. Check it out. Uh, I can't do this anymore. Please, please listen to me. I haven't been honest with you. There's no woman. It's not gambling. Look, a few days ago, I looked you in the eyes and I told you, I've got this. I lied. What do you mean? I've been fishing on Shabbat because I've had no choice. Andrew has texts. I've got texts. We haven't been able to keep up. I did some things. I'm not proud of to fix it. And now it's gone bad. And we're in trouble. We? What do you mean? I, I'm in trouble. But we, because I need a miracle, or I can be in big trouble. I'm not a child. Stop speaking of riddles. Tell me what's happening. I could go to prison. We could lose the house. What? The cut in my ear, it's from a Roman. Simon! If I don't catch a ton of fish or get some help somehow, they'll arrest me. Or kill you. They are Romans. Yeah, so I need to go Go now. where? The fish, I gotta spend the rest of the week doing nothing but catch every fish I can and hope I can fix this somehow. So that's why we can't take your Ema. It's just not possible. No, like... she has nothing to do with this. I would not let you punish her for your sins. Eden, you can't do you this alone. can't tell me what I can or can't do. You have had your eyes closed around here and God is with me even if you aren't. Sorry. Where is your faith? Hmm? What? You heard me. And faith isn't gonna get me more fish. I'm not talking about tonight. I am talking about long before tonight. You've been different. Before it was gambling, and now it's working and trying to do everything yourself. The popular Simon, fixing everything and charming everyone all by yourself. And fishing on holy days without even thinking about it with no respect for our God. What about Pikuach Nefesh? We can break a commandment to save a life. Our lives are at stake you don't here. You know that because you have not pursued the Lord lately. Not like the man that I married. That is why you are stuck and you feel desperate and now you're off to try to fix it yourself again. So go. I don't want you here tonight anyway. I'm sorry. I know you're sorry. I'm glad you're at least honest with me. But no more talking. 
Maybe God can get your attention now. You notice that things with Peter like aren't going very well. He's making some decisions that are affecting other people in his life. In fact, I'm just going to tell you something. There's a lie that the world's told us that many of us believe. If what I'm doing harms no one, then what does it matter? But let me just tell you something. Whatever you're doing is affecting other people. There's always collateral damage. There's always collateral things that are going to happen when we, whatever we do, whether you do good things or bad things in this world. And so what happens in this passage, you notice what Peter says, or in this story, Peter says, hey, uh, we're in trouble. And she's like, we're in trouble. And he's like, no, well, I'm in trouble, right? Like, they may take our boat, and I've been trying everything, and so I've got to go fish on Shabbat. And if you remember our message on Shabbat, Shabbat is this day that was set aside to be holy, to rest well in God, and to give that day to God and trust God with the rest. But the reason that Peter would be fishing on Shabbat is because the Romans wouldn't expect him to do that because it's a religious holy day that you're not supposed to work on. And so what Peter thinks is, hey, what I can do is I can fish on Shabbat. The Romans won't be there, so I'm not going to get taxed. I can, I can get ahead. Like I can move forward in this without having to pay some penalties, without having to deal with some wrong things. And let me just tell you right now what's going on. See, Peter's desire to get ahead or to pay off his taxes is the right thing. But he's doing it in the wrong way. And so what that's going to equal in your life is total frustration. That's our first point today. Right thing in the wrong way will equal frustration. The ends don't justify the means. Like, you can't say, like, well, I have the right intention, but I'm going to go about this all the wrong way because how many of us realize that's what the majority of people are doing in our lives? Like, maybe you can because we're, we live in a fallen world. You need to look at some of the people in your life and forgive them because they were trying to do the right thing. They were just doing it in the wrong way. How many of us have experienced that. How many of us have gone through that in our life? And that's exactly what begins to happen in this passage that we just read. Like Peter is trying to do everything he can in the right way. Listen to what the Bible says, starting in verse 1. So Jesus is teaching uh, in Luke chapter 5. He's going to go to this lake, the Sea of Galilee, where you get all these fish. They have a lot of tilapia in there, right? And they're going to fish and Peter is there and his boat's there and they're cleaning their nets in the morning. And so what you need to understand is that that's the right way to do things. The best time to catch fish was at night. Right? If you fish here, you know like middle of the day, it's really hard. The water's too hot. And so even this week, I was watching a National Geographic special with this guy named Jeremy Wade. Jeremy, if you've seen the show River Monsters, he did that show. Love it. I'm addicted, okay? But he's got this new show on National Geographic. It's basically the same thing, but it's new, okay? But he's in Africa, and he's on this giant lake, and he's going out with these guys who fish. But they go out at night. They go in on their boats at night. And what they do is they put these nets in the water, but they attach to these nets these floats. And on top of the float, they put a lamp, like a, an, you know, an electric camping lamp. And what they do is they turn that on bright, and it attracts all the fish to the net because they think it's the moon. And so during this episode, they show what's going on, and, and all of the, you look at this lake, and there's thousands of lights on this lake. 
And all these guys are sleeping on their boat in the middle of the lake. Well, that's exactly what's happening here in this passage is Peter and his friends go out to fish at night. They, they need to catch fish so that they can go and they can sell it and market and they can do this in a way that makes sense. But how many of us know that sometimes what God's calling you to do, it doesn't work according to the world's way? It just doesn't. Like, God calls us to do things that, that don't make sense. Like, and here's just the reality. Like, in Christianity, you want to know the most unique aspect of Christianity? God comes down from heaven to earth to die for his creation. That he doesn't require that his creation do anything for salvation but believe in him. He does all the work. We just believe. Right? And Augustine calls this the great exchange. Where we give Jesus our sin. Here's all my stuff. Past, present, and future. Here you go. And Jesus takes that upon him. And Jesus goes, okay, here. Now that you've believed, you get my righteousness. You get my holiness. That's we, the world's way of doing it would be you got to earn your way up here. you gotta, you got to get to Jesus by making sure your good outweighs your bad. And Jesus goes, no, that's not the way that this works. Your good doesn't need to outweigh your bad. Your belief needs to outweigh your sin. Right? It's, a, it's the, many of us are trying to please God right now in our life, are we not? We're trying to do all these good things, but see, you're doing good things without the belief part. See, you can't do the good things until Jesus has come in and transformed your heart. Otherwise, you get exhausted, you get tired of it. It's like dieting. Unless you have a real transformation in your life, you're going to break the diet. Right? Dieting is kind of like a lie. If you really want to get fit and stay fit, you've got to change the way you eat. You've got to be transformed. Right? How many of us have been on crash fad diets? We're on it for two weeks, and then we're off, and then we're on, and then we're off. And then, you know, we get down to like, oh, man, I'm about to buy new clothes. But you know that you're not going to stay on that diet forever because you haven't been transformed. So for me, I save the fat jeans in the closet, and I, my good old buddies are always there. Oh, there they are. Because I know my heart hasn't been changed. See, I'm trying to do the right thing, get healthy. I'm doing it in the wrong way. And that is for so many of us where we are. And notice what happens to Simon or Peter in this moment. He says, when he had finished speaking, he says, put down your nets into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Jesus isn't a fisherman. He's obviously a teacher. Have you ever had somebody in your life that you don't think knows anything about what you know and they give you advice and you're like, mm-hmm, okay, yeah, you know everything. You don't know what I know, though. Peter's a professional fisherman. And Jesus says, hey, I know it's the middle of the day. Uh, go just go into deeper water just a little bit and put down your net. But what had happened? Peter had been trying to do the right thing but in this text, it was the wrong way. He was living according to the world's wisdom. And let me just tell you something. Not all of the world's wisdom is bad, but God may be calling you to do something in your life that's going to need His wisdom because it's an upside-down kingdom, is it not? And it's not upside-down to Him. It's just upside-down to us. We're looking up. He's looking down. Everything that God tells us to do makes complete sense to Him. We just don't get it sometimes. Right? And, and, you know, 
the question is like that I'm going to ask you, are you doing the right thing in the wrong way? Are you getting frustrated? See, because today I think what needs to happen as we go into this next clip is you need to declare your dependence. You need to declare your dependence. See, so many of us live our life declaring our independence. I'm free. You know, freedom is great until you really have it because then you got to do something with it. You know what I mean? Like, that's how a lot of us get in trouble, is it not? We get our freedom and then we get a little messed up. See, what happens to Peter in this passage is you know what, notice what his wife says. She says, you've been trying this all in your way and it's not working and you've forgotten. She says, where's your faith? He says, where's my faith? Faith won't get me more fish. And she goes, no, your faith left you a long time ago because you would have been relying on God for this. And somewhere along the way, you started doing this on your own. I know you need to catch fish. You're doing it in the wrong way. You're not honoring God. So God's not going to honor you. So she says, you need to make a change. You need to turn around, right? You need to declare your dependence upon him. And let's notice here what happens in this next passage. It gets a little crazier. bark sometimes too. Cast after cast. I will make your descendants as many as the stars in the heavens. And then what? Huh? Make the chosen as many as the stars. Only to let Egypt enslave us for generations. Bring us out of Egypt. Part the Red Sea. Only to let us wander in the desert for 40 years. Give us the land. Only to let us be exiled in Babylon. Bring us back only to be crushed by Rome. This is the God I've served so faithfully my entire life. You're the God I'm supposed to thank. You know, if I didn't know any better, I'd say you enjoy yanking us around like goats and can't decide whether we're chosen or not. Which one is it? You notice what happens to Peter? He's doing the right thing. 
Or he wants to do the right thing, but it's the wrong way. It's Shabbat night. And he should be catching lots of fish. And he's catching nothing. And I want you to notice what happens to Peter. You notice he starts saying all the things that God's done. You called a great descendants. You brought us out of Egypt to only leave us in the wilderness. And then we get into the promised land to be taken by Babylon. It's like you're, we're like goats that you want to lead around. Like, which is it? Are we the promised people or are we the ones who you're really, like the joke's on us? And let me ask you something. Because you're trying to do the right thing in the wrong way, you're frustrated. But are you frustrated beyond belief? Here's what I mean by that. Not like, are you frustrated to the nth degree beyond belief? I mean, have you become so frustrated you're beyond your belief? Like Peter. Peter gets to this point where he's almost beyond his belief. Are you really God? Are you really there? Are you really okay? Are you really doing this? Are you really here for us? And see, I think we see this in the text in Luke chapter 5, verse 5, it says, And Simon answered. Jesus says, hey, put those nets down. And he says, Master, we toiled all night. That word master is a term that's saying he's not Peter's master. What he's saying is, is like, I understand that you're a respectable person. He's like, hey, like, teacher, I understand like, like this. And so he says, teacher, okay, let me just, okay, teacher, um, we toiled all night and took nothing. We fished at the exact right time that we should do this. And I've been doing this for a long time. And I don't know really any other ways to do this, teacher of the law, not teacher of fishing. But, notice what he says, but at your word, I will let down the nets. Have you ever, when you're real frustrated and almost beyond belief, humored someone? You just kind of humor them. You just kind of say like, oh, okay, like, okay, yeah, you, you know a lot about this. Okay, let me try that. I remember a couple of years ago, uh, we used another church's like media system. It's right when we went into COVID and we used all their lights. And so when we left, they said like, hey, just turn everything off. And so we did. And when I got a call the next like two days later, like nothing's working. And I'm like, oh, no, you know, like, uh-oh. So, like, I run over there. I'm calling Cody. I'm calling John. I'm like, hey, guys, like, what happened? Like, he's saying that we, everything's broken. And he's like the media light expert at this church. So I walk in, and I'm like, hey, let me take a look at this thing. And I said, we just did everything you said. But, you know, and he's like, oh, don't you think I tried that? And I said, hey, ma'am, uh, He's like, the pro presenter's not working. And I was like, oh, you need to hit this button up here. It says live. If you click that, so I click it, and it t everything turns on. And he's like, oh. I said, you know, sometimes when you know everything, it's the simple things. And he was like, mm. right? And then he's like, well, all the, all the moving lights aren't working. What did you do? And I said, I don't, I don't know what I did, but I noticed that's not on. I said, did you turn the power on that? I said, just, it's worth a shot, right? He's like, Ugh. So I walked over and flipped it on, and all the lights turned on. And I said, crisis averted. We made it through this. We just forgot to turn on the two simple things, the power switch. You know, that's why they weren't working, because you didn't turn the lights on. But have you ever gotten to that moment where you just knew better? Right, that's exactly what's happening in this passage and with Peter. He's like, okay, teacher, I understand like what you're saying. I'll give it a shot. 
And maybe God's saying that to you right now, like, because this frustration can lead you to humor God. And here's what I'm telling you. Humor him. Humor God. Like, go ahead. And he says, like, man, I don't have a lot to give right now. And God says, give anyway. Give a little bit. Give, give the smallest amount. But you're like, I don't got it. And he's like, I know, but I got to free you from some things. And so I'm going to tell you to do something weird. I'm scared of meeting people. Well, you need to go to church. What? Yeah, you can't do this online all the time. I didn't do it wrong. They offended me. They were wrong. God says, yeah, but you need to apologize first. What? That doesn't make sense. But don't you know that when you take ownership of what you can take ownership of and you show humility, generally you'll get humility back. Right? It's an upside down thing. I'm just asking you to humor God for just a second. Like, will you just, for one second, even though it doesn't make sense, because we look at everything else upside down, it will make sense to him. And he's telling you to do it for your good. Are you frustrated beyond belief? See, here's what a lot of us like to do. We like to try the same thing over and over and over again and expect something new to happen. Einstein defined this as the root of insanity. Like some of you are trying your relationships, you're trying everything, you're, tr- you're just, you're, you know what, I, I like to be mad. I'm going to keep being mad, and when I'm mad enough, then they'll repent. No, that's not even what the Bible says, how we respond to God. Our love, His love leads us to obedience, not His wrath. So why would you think your wrath would lead people to obedience? Parents, stop being wrathful with your kids. Maybe you need to be loving, and your kids will come their way. Maybe in your relationship, you need to stop punishing everyone with the silent treatment, and you need to just tell somebody you love them. I'm I'm sorry. I forgive you. Is it working? Because if you're anything like me, the moment you, like, come against me, oh, I'm standing firm. No problem. I'm Petros, right? Like, I'm standing on the rock, and I'm not moving until God removes me. (laughs) Like, he's like, no, get out the way, son. Right? Like... And that's exactly what's happening here with Peter. But let me just tell you something. A lot of us are frustrated because God's not giving us the blessing we want, but you're not doing it his way. And you're not going to get the blessing without the process. And so what happens in this story is like Peter's getting like upset. See, and you can't blame God for things you never invite him into. See, some of us in this room and online right now, we're blaming God for all of our mess when you're responsible for your mess. And God wants to clean up the mess. You just got to invite him in. So as we take a look at this last clip, I think you're going to see something really interesting that happens in this passage, in this story, because Peter, well, he's frustrated beyond belief. You're going to find Peter at the beginning of this. He's done. There's no hope. There's no way he's going to pay the debt. There's no way this is going to happen. I want you to notice what happens in this next part. Take a look. Simon, it's him. Excuse me. That's him, Simon, that's him. No time for this, Andrew. It's him, Simon, it's the man. John said he's here, right now. May I ask a favor? I'm teaching these people and apparently they're having trouble hearing me. If I could stand on your boat, that would be helpful. They're having trouble hearing you, huh? Yes, yes, of course. Please, please, stand on my boat, thank you. I need to go, I'm sorry. No time for this today. Stay a few moments longer. 
I have something for you. For me? Uh, I'm in a hurry. Yes, I know. Just allow me a few moments. Please. Sam, trust me as I have trusted you. This man is the Messiah. It's good to see you again, Andrew. Yes. I'm Jesus. Thanks for this. Simon. In my last moments with you, I want to share another story. Can everyone hear me? Well, let's thank our friends for this strong boat, huh? Trust me, my yelling voice is not easy on the ears. Because I'm on this boat, my final parable should be about fishing, yes? Simon, please send me that net. When this net is thrown into the sea, what happens, Simon? Well... I mean most of the time. It gathers. A, a little louder. It gathers fish. Yes. This net gathers fish. All kinds of fish, yes? Yes. All kinds of fish. And the kingdom of heaven is like what happens next. After the net is full, Simon and the others draw it to the shore, sit down, and sort out the fish. The good fish go into the barrels, and the bad fish thrown away. So it will be at the end of the age. Angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into a fiery furnace. Do you understand? Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven, like you all are now, is like the master of a house who brings forth his treasures, both new and old. You are to do the same with this knowledge. These parables I tell make sense to some, not to others. Be patient. That is all for today. I have some business to attend to with my new friend. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. Uh, I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word.
Brother, and the baptizer. <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, how sorry. Lift up your head, fisherman. <laughs> what do you want from me? Anything you ask, I will do. Luke chapter 5, verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the boat to come and help. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Let me ask you something. 
Are you desperate enough to try something new? I mean, are you just desperate enough at this point to try something new? Peter is. He's willing. Okay, I'm willing to look like a fool because I already looked like one last night. You know, no one looks like more like a fool than when you come back from a fishing trip with an empty boat. So what does he have to lose? Maybe the reason that God isn't blessing your effort is because he wants to show you the miracle of what he can do, but he's got to get you to the point where you're let go. Are you desperate enough to try something new? You know, this week, uh, Kelsey was with our third daughter, Scout, and Scout wasn't feeling good. She was at school with Scout, and um, Scout wasn't feeling good, and so they went to my mom's house, uh, real near the school, and, you know, grandma's, my mom's called Nona, um, you know, they give, right? That's what Nona's do, right? Like, that's what grandmas do. They are givers, and so uh, because Scout's stomach wasn't feeling good, my mom came out, they just drove by in the car and gave Scout a soda, right? Gave her a little bit of like orange crush in a little can and said, here, this is for you. I think it's going to help you feel better. Feel better, babe. And my wife and Scout went back to our house. Now, Scout had a real need. Like she was not feeling good. She, her stomach was hurting. And so she was desperate to get that can of soda open, like really desperate. But the problem is she's five and she's got little fingers and she doesn't have all the strength. And so Scout began to take this thing of soda and began to try to open it in all these different ways. And Kelsey's like, hey, do you want me to help you? Scout said, no, I got it. She's desperate. She's desperate to fill her own need as quickly as possible. And so what happens in that passage is that, she, or in this story, is Scout went and got a spoon. She tried to open the can. She got a fork. She tried. She went and got a butter knife, and she tried. And no matter how hard Scout tried, to get the soda open, she couldn't do it. She, she was trying to do the right thing, just in the wrong way. And finally, Kelsey, my wife, looked at her and said, hey, do you want me to give it a try? And Scout, in her desperation and frustration, looked at Kelsey and said, okay, I can't do it. Go ahead. I'll humor you, Mom. Kelsey gets the soda, doesn't need to use a tool, but her index finger, freedom, need met. All Scout had to do to get her need met was to give it over. See, because she was going about it the world's way and not the really the right way. She needed to let go of her problem. She needed to let go of doing it the way that she thought. She needed a turn. She needed to declare her dependence. And so what does she do? Scout hands over the soda. It's opened immediately. How many of us, that's the story of us, Whatever your little problem is, whatever the thing that you're going through, maybe it's not even little, maybe it's huge, and you're holding on to it like this can of soda, and you've got, you can't get it open. You're trying every tool, every way, everything to do, and God is sitting there patiently waiting for you, saying, would you like me to give it a shot? Would you like me to give it a try? See, in order for your need to be met, I'm going to need you to let go, because I didn't design you to meet your own needs. That's why they're needs. If they were not needs, like if you can meet them, then they wouldn't be needs, they'd be done. Needs, by definition, have to be filled by something or someone else. And maybe that's exactly what's going on in your story. You're like, Peter, like you're, you're frustrated beyond belief, and so you'll humor God right now. 
Because what else? Like, what else you got? Okay, go ahead, teacher. I'll go ahead and put my net in the water here. Okay, let's give it a shot. That's the dependency. And see, sometimes dependency is just humoring God. You think God's offended when you humor him? Not at all. It's an opportunity, is it not? So what's your problem right now? What's the thing that you need to make that 180 turn you need to declare that dependence upon? But I want you to notice what happens to Peter. He goes from calling Jesus master to Lord. And did you notice that the text says, and Simon Peter fell down on his knees and says, depart from me. I am a sinful man, O Lord. What the text indicates there, you might miss it for just a second. Simon was his old name. Peter's his new name. What it's showing is going from disbelief to belief. Master to Lord. So my question is, is Jesus just a great authority in your life or is Jesus the Lord of your life? There's a big difference than treating Jesus, that was a tongue twister, as a teacher that teaches you nice and good things in the way that you should live your life so you don't hurt people or hurt yourself. Or he's the Lord sovereign of your life who is going to tell you and guide you in the way that you should go. And whatever problem you're holding on right now, like you're holding on white-knuckling this thing, you're not treating him as Lord. You're treating him as teacher. Teach me how to open this. Teach me how to do this. Teach me how to speak life over it. Teach me how to get the miracle. Teach me how to do this. And Jesus is saying, I have to do it for you. You're going to need me to do this one. You're going to need to let go. The thing I want to teach you is dependency, not how to do it. And so where are you right now? See, Jesus or Peter's confession is really three things. He confesses and recognizes his unworthiness. I'm sinful. I can't do this. But he also recognizes Jesus' greatness. You can do this. Only you can do this. You are the greatest. And then finally, he confesses him as Lord and sovereign of his life. And so what do you and I need to do? Like literally, what do you and I need to do? You just need to throw your net. That's it. You just need to let go. You just need to, right now, begin to let go in your life and allow God. And you do all that you can and you trust God with the rest. But you need to throw the net in the water. Verse 9, for he had, all his companions were astonished to catch the fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee and Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people or fish for men. So they pulled their boats up to shore and left everything and followed him. Jesus had to do the miracle and something before so that Peter could believe him for the miracle to come. See, this passage is just like another story in the Bible. As we end here and Cody's going to come up, I want you to hear this story. It's very similar. See, this is after Jesus dies. This is after, like, all of their hopes, all of their dreams, all of their confession has died with Jesus on the cross. And so all of the disciples go back to their old life. They go back. They, they don't know how else to take care of themselves. They, they don't know what else to do. The guy that they had just put all their hope and all their trust in is dead on a tree and put in a grave. And then he disappears. Everyone's like, oh, it's the resurrection. I just think, like, he was stolen. I would just think, like, oh, man, this is getting from worse to worse. But John chapter 21 has a really incredible story that 
kind of parallels this. I'm going to start here in verse 4. Just as day was breaking, similar to this one, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. We got skunked. We did it the best way we know how. Verse 6, he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. They threw the net. They humored the guy on the shore. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Sounds similar, doesn't it? Verse 7, that disciple whom Jesus loved, John, said to Simon Peter, he, he looked at him and he says, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. And when Simon Peter, notice they use the name there again, back to Luke chapter 5, heard that it was the Lord. He put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea and swam ashore. See, the mission got a lot bigger than catching some fish in a net. When Jesus left, he said, you're going to go reach the world. But you're going to have to declare your dependence upon me in order to reach this world. And John 21 is a reminder of, remember what happened then. The lesson you learn is you got to rely on me is the same lesson that you and I need to learn right now. And so where are you in this life? See, church, we've been called to a much greater life than just coming in here and attending. We've been called to a much greater life and a greater calling to this world because when you get saved and Jesus saves you, he saves you for the purpose, and that purpose is to go into all the world. And some of us have been trying to catch fish and reach people the world's way. We've been trying to make an impact. We're trying to heal our marriage or heal our relationships or heal our financial situation or all of these things in the world's way. And John 21 says, don't forget, you got to do it God's way. And sometimes that looks like the wrong time in the wrong way, but God will do it. Thank you for jumping into today's message, and we truly hope that you were encouraged. If you were encouraged, would you like and share this with someone that you truly love and care about? It may just be the thing that they need to get through this week. Also, let us know how the message impacted you, and please let us know any ways that we can be praying for you. But finally, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of our supporters and those who give generously to make all that we have and do here at Bedrock happen. If you'd like to support us, you can do that really quickly by texting 84321 with any amount and setting up text to give, or you can give on our website. Thank you once again for all that you do, and we hope to see you soon.